This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. Let's join Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well, and a happy Black Friday to you. Yeah, what a what a wonderful time of year. We'll talk a bit about Black Friday a bit later on. Of course, things are fairly quiet. That is somewhat due to the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States, which was yesterday. And it's a half day today. So things pretty quiet. Whenever there is a US bank holiday, not only do you see subdued trading on that day, it tends to have an impact on the week, I always feel as well. I always wonder whether people are turning these bank holidays into long weekends or into full weeks off, kind of making the most of that additional day. This one in particular is always extremely quiet, so really not surprised to see extremely subdued trading. I mean, looking at equity markets right now, all European indices are within one-tenth of one percent of zero. So we're really not seeing much movement there. We've seen a little bit of movement in like the dollar and gold, but again, we're still talking relatively small numbers. Oil we saw a little bit lively earlier on, but again, back to around half a percent up on the day. So we are talking very small moves. And like I say, it's not entirely surprising. Maybe everyone's left their desks and gone to the shops, make the most of these Black Friday deals. I always find it a really stressful time of year. It's like you've got one day to make all your purchases, otherwise you're never going to see these kind of offers again. And maybe that's what everyone else is doing, which is why the markets are so quiet today. I'm not convinced that Black Friday is working to the extent that it has in previous years for 2022, Craig. How much of the spending do people do in Black Friday that they actually will just put off for Christmas anyway? I think it's a hugely important day for retailers, or it's become a hugely important day for retailers. I think for many of them, it's one of these kind of FOMO days where if you don't take part in it, then you could almost be left behind. And I remember last year, I feel like it was a much more important day again because we didn't know what stock levels were going to be like. It's it's easy to forget that a year ago there was inventory issues. It was a case of is supply going to be able to keep up? Or if you don't get your Christmas shopping done early, are you going to run out? Is it even, there's not going to be an opportunity for a Christmas Eve sweep? And therefore people were buying uh, much earlier. But as you say, you see now more and more people warning that Black Friday offers aren't really all they're hyped up to be. And that you can get these offers many other times in the year and therefore trying to play down the urgency that comes with Black Friday and the stress as well. So yeah, I, I do wonder whether that is going to start to have an, more of an impact on uh, consumer behaviour. I actually saw earlier Barclaycard claimed that Black Friday volume of payment transactions this year has been the same so far as last year. So that would suggest at least that uh, at this point in time that people are not staying away from the shops and they are taking advantage of Black Friday in much the same way as they have in other years. But I think by the time we get to the end of the day and over the next couple of days when the data starts to come out, I think we will have a much better idea of how things stand. And you've got to ask yourself if there is more spending this Black Friday compared to normal, is that a sign that people are feeling the pinch and trying to get all the Christmas shopping done early? Could it mean that trading over Christmas uh, and then run up to Christmas is going to be a bit quieter because people have got prepared earlier because obviously cost of living crisis? Or on the flip side, what if the spending uh, on Black Friday turns out to be much less than what we saw last year? Could that potentially be a sign that people are really tightening the purse strings this year? And again, could be a sign that we could see another quiet Christmas period. I think if we see a bad Black Friday uh, sales today, 
I think retailers around the country are going to be worrying because this is such an important time of year. And I wonder whether the sales could effectively then just extend straight up until Christmas. It's going to be a really interesting one. People will take this data really seriously and it could really have a knock-on effect on the markets on the open next week. Okay, let's move on to China. And there's certainly a lack of confidence in that part of the world. And there is now an intention to free up liquidity from China's banks to encourage people to go out and spend a bit more. Yeah, there was a cut to the uh, reserve requirement ratio, the triple R, earlier on today uh, from the PBOC, an attempt to try and stimulate the economy. There's such enormous uncertainty in China still at this point in time. We saw the, what was it, a 14-point plan for the property market to try and revitalise activity there, keep building uh, and restore confidence to a, a sector that's been hit badly over the course of the last 18 months as a result of the kind of regulatory clampdown that we saw uh, in China. Uh, and also the 20-point plan in regards to COVID, which which people read to be a relaxation of COVID curbs. But then at the same time as that happening, we're now seeing record COVID cases, we're seeing restrictions, we're seeing testing, and we're seeing lockdowns in effect. They're not calling them lockdowns in any sense, but they effectively are having the same impact uh, or so as being reported. So that's going to continue to undermine confidence. So when you see a triple R cut like we've seen today, in, in the same way that we've seen with other stimulus measures, uh, like cuts to the uh, loan prime rates, for example, in, in previous months, you just have to question how effective they're going to be. Yes, they could, in theory, work well alongside the measures to restore the property market and to relax COVID measures if they are carried out and if they are viewed as being successful. But that's asking a lot at a time when confidence is suffering as much as it is. And it starts to get to the point where if they don't fix the fundamental issues, then releasing stimulus like this into the system isn't really going to help. It's going to be like pushing on a piece of string. It's going to be like increasing the credit limit on someone's credit card when they don't use what they already have. It's all well and good having the extra there, but if people don't want access to it, then what difference does it make? Is it going to make any difference to the economy? The answer is no. Uh, so they're, they're in a bit of a difficult situation, I find, China right now, in that they feel like they've dug themselves a hole in, with the property market in order to try and create longer-term stability, and that's admirable to an extent, um, but now they're really struggling to get it back on track. And they don't seem to know where they want to be on the COVID scale. They seem to be struggling trying to find a new normal. And both of these things are severely undermining confidence. And uh, it's going to make growth next year, again, a very uh, challenging task. Okay, let's look ahead to next week. As you said before, because of Thanksgiving, it's been relatively quiet over the last few days. But what's in store for the next seven? So I think the focus next week is going to be on the US again. We've got the jobs report. So this is the second jobs report since the last Fed meeting, the last jobs report in the run-up to the next Fed meeting, of course, in December. So we're going to be looking for signs that uh, average hourly earnings are hopefully moderating, which will give the Fed some comfort to slow the pace of tightening. Jobs growth is going to be a really interesting one because while we haven't seen unemployment ticking higher per se, if we see jobs growth start to continue to moderate again, then that could effectively give the Fed some indication that we are seeing a cooling of the labour market, which will eventually lead to more slack within the labour market. And again, that could potentially help in their mission to get inflation back towards targets. 
But there's a, there's a lot of other economic data as well, things like ISM manufacturing, PMIs, the core PC price index, of course, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, that's on Thursday. And there's a whole host for the data as well, GDP, uh, jolts, job openings, lots of economic data on the slate next week. And we've also then got the run-up to the OPEC Plus meeting. That's taking place on Sunday the 4th, and that's going to be a really interesting one, isn't it? Because in the run-up to that, we're going to see the continued work on the G7 price cap on Russian crude oil and what level they're going to agree that on if it can be agreed, what impact that's going to have therefore on Russian output, whether that's going to lead to a, a decline in Russian output and therefore what OPEC Plus will do. There was reports earlier this week that we could see OPEC Plus increase their production by 500,000 barrels a day. Now that's been strongly denied but it goes to show that these discussions must be taking place in the background around how they're going to respond to this. And with Russia being such a core member of the OPEC Plus alliance, I feel like there's going to be a lot of speculation next week about how this could be because this could really threaten the stability of the alliance as a whole. I mean, if we see a price cap that's more like $60 than $70, even less, which looks unlikely at this point, and Russia reduces output because they refuse to sell to countries that take part in the price cap, then what does OPEC Plus do? Does it accept lower supply and therefore soaring oil prices and therefore a massive threat to the global economy? Or do they pump more to fill the void and then they, do they do that with Russia's permission because that undermines their own stance or do they do that without Russia's permission which undermines the stability in the group? I feel like the next uh, 10 days or so is going to be hugely important as far as the OPEC Plus Alliance is concerned and therefore that makes that meeting a week on Sunday really, really interesting uh, which we'll obviously talk more about next week. But I think it means it's really going to fuel the rumour mill over the course of the next seven days as we get constant updates about how these countries are going to look to get around it. But also, again, they could also get a free pass ultimately from the G7 if they agree a price cap at around $70 barrel, which is around where Russia is selling currently, then nothing much really changes, does it? Indeed. Very interesting. Craig, thanks very much. Have a very good weekend. Thank you. You too. This is the Oanda Podcast.